Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the hockey world. Right now, we're going with about three episodes a week during the COVID-19 health crisis and the NHL season pause. If you want to keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast on social media, you can do so on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also find me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren. That's I-A-N-C-M-C-L-A-R-E-N. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. If you've come via the megaphone link, I'd like to remind you that you can subscribe to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, basically wherever podcasts can be downloaded. And if you're an Apple user, I would kindly request that you leave a rating and a review. That would be very much appreciated as it really helps to grow uh, the show and its uh, reach. Today on the podcast, I'm going to be looking at um, a recent interview from Brandon Carlo and his kind of unique way of working through self-distancing, social isolation. Let me rephrase that. Self-isolation and social distancing. Uh, We'll also open up the mailbag and just update some news and notes from around the NHL, as we do every day here on the podcast. I hope you are all keeping well. Right now, it is April 15th, 11 a.m. in the morning as I record, and we just had a pretty big snow shower, so that sucks. And I hope that spring weather will soon be upon us, even though we can't really get out and enjoy it as much as we might like. Uh, but I'll get to that in a mailbag statement, statement, mailbag segment <laughs> coming up later. Um, let's see. Let's start with looking at Brandon Carlo. For those of you who don't know, just by, by way of introduction, uh, if you're a first-time listener, I wrote about hockey for uh, The Score, which you may use as a mobile app. Uh, it's based up here in Toronto. I covered hockey for them for about five years. Prior to that, I was a support worker for individuals with special needs. And before that, uh, my wife and I lived in Scotland for a year while I did my master's in practical theology and Christian ethics, it was called. So basically just a master's in theology. So um, issues revolving around faith, spirituality, those things really interest me. So it caught my eye the other day when uh, Brandon Carlo mentioned how he is getting through the COVID-19 crisis. Um, Brandon Carlo, for those of you who don't know, he has a tattoo on his right forearm, which reads live by faith, not by sight. And it's an expression he picked up from his mother, Angie, uh, during lengthy trips to hockey practices and games back when he was in Colorado growing up. It's a Bible verse, and it's something that Carlo has been holding on to during this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, on a conference call the other day, he said, it's been interesting to have the time to take a step back and recognize things with faith. 
to a point I think God may be telling us to slow down a little bit in life. Now, God might mean different things to different people. That term, I'm actually reading a book right now by former megachurch pastor Rob Bell, uh, who I greatly admire. When I say megachurch pastor, I don't really mean like a Joel Osteen type. He's a really different kind of guy. The book is called What We Talk About When We Talk About God. And in there, he mentions that that term means different things to different people at different times. But for Carlo, he said, my tattoo has come into real life at this time. I got it tattooed on my body for a reason. It's something I truly believe, something that I've been trying to focus on living by each and every day. Now, Carlo revealed that he's had some help coping through this time by uh, connecting with teammates past and present for uh, some discussions about faith and... um, yeah, really what's been going on lately, not only in relation to COVID-19, but also the passing of Colby Cave. He said he's been getting together with Chris Wagner, Charlie McAvoy, former Bruins, Danton Heinen, David Backus, and Adam McQuaid. He said, we've had some great chapel discussions lately. David Backus has done a great job at setting those up. So it's pretty cool that Backus has taken the time to set up these discussions and also including teammates past and present. As we all know, Heinen is also a duck. Carlos said, there's been lots of questions during this time. It's obviously been a troubling time in a lot of different ways, not just in the pandemic, but through the Colby Cave situation, which has been quite difficult. I think it's been special since I've been in Boston to have the group that we do. Certain guys love hopping on. You never know what people are going through in life. So we're very appreciative to have that with our chaplain, Dave Ripper. He does a great job with us focusing on certain events and translating those things into the current moment. For those of you not familiar with uh, Dave Ripper, he is a uh, campus pastor in Lexington, Massachusetts, and he is the team chaplain for the Boston Bruins. He uh, has a Master's of Divinity from Denver Seminary. And uh, he and his wife and their family live in the greater Boston area. You can follow him on Instagram at Dave Ripper, which I am uh, doing at the moment. So Carlo went on to say that, uh, you know, part of these conversations have revolved around the passing of Colby Cave after emergency brain surgery. He said, I'd just like to say that I'm wishing his family the best in this tragic time. It's obviously very hard. He was one of the guys that when I first started coming to development camps, I looked up to in a way. His leadership aspects and that contagious smile made me feel comfortable around the room from day one. He will be missed a lot. I just want to give my best to Emily and the cave family. Basically, all that is to say that this is obviously a very difficult time for All of us, we're missing hockey, we're missing our Bruins, we're missing daily things that we enjoy, that we've possibly taken for granted in the past, that we're no longer able to do during this pandemic. And I just thought it was interesting that Carlo was kind of turning to his roots, his faith, and connecting with current and former Bruins through the help of David Backus, David Ripper, and taking the time to make 
deeper connections off the ice, which I thought was really cool. And, um, yeah, like I said, we all have different ways of coping with things. Um, it's not easy to be outspoken about these issues like Carlo has been. It might mean different things for different people. There might be negative connotations for Carlo identifying himself as a Christian or someone who believes in God. Uh, but I think it's genuine. And from what I know of Carlo and David Backus, I can tell that they have big hearts and want to try to help make the world a better place. And I think that uh, is something that's really valuable at this time. And I thought it was really interesting that uh, a young guy like Charlie McAvoy is joining in these calls. And uh, I hope that Carlo Backus and Ripper and others can have a positive influence on younger players in, you know, a way that is uplifting and building up the group and others as well, which I think is key. Now, Carlo also mentioned his defensive partner, Tori Krug, and the uncertainty in terms of his future with the Bruins. Carlo and Krug have emerged this season as a very high-quality defensive pair, probably a number one on a lot of teams, second pair behind Chara and McAvoy at the moment. And, you know, Carlo said, obviously my first year I played with Zidane Chara. I grew in a lot of different aspects of the game. But ever since I've been with Tori, I think my game just continued to flourish. And a lot of that is credit to him. He gives me the confidence to be my best that I can be. Playing with him has been a lot of fun. I tell him all the time how much I enjoy it. We'll joke back and forth about just being together on a deep air and how fun it truly is. I love playing with him. I don't want to lose him. I've made jokes throughout the entire year that he better not leave me. Uh, so kind of a nice touching sentiment there. Carlo really wants crew to stay. I think we all do. And um, he also mentioned that he received a check-in call from Chara the other day. Carlo's back in Colorado at the moment just to kind of have a bit more space. And he said, you know, being with the Bruins is unlike anything I've ever felt. It's like having 30 brothers with you every single day. I definitely miss those moments. And hopefully, uh, you know, this team can get back together as soon as possible. Although we know that the greater good is uh, what is most important at this moment. So those are just some thoughts I thought were cool to uh, highlight from Carlo's most recent call. And we'll do that throughout this pause as uh, other Bruins come forward and kind of discuss how they're feeling and how they're doing through this time. But that's kind of how uh, Carlo is uh, getting through this time. And with my background in theology and hockey, I thought it was uh, something that is very valuable to highlight. Let's now take a look at some mailbag questions. I put out a call on Twitter and I really appreciated those who uh, took some time to respond. Our friend Jess Belmosto, who is the host of the Locked On Calgary Flames podcast, she asked, what's one thing you miss about pre-COVID life besides hockey? Uh, that's a great question. I think one thing I miss the most is even at the beginning of the lockdown, uh, we were taking our boys to, we have a conservation area pass, which is kind of these uh, wooded areas with some lakes, ponds, rivers that we could go and hike around. 
look for salamanders, even swim when the weather's nicer. Those are all closed at the moment, so we can't even go take a hike or walk on the trails. If you are caught there, you get fined. So that's something that I really um, miss for sure. Great question, Jess. I know we all miss a lot of different things. And, you know, I know that having three kids off school, I know that things are hard for me, but I understand that things are hard for everyone. We're all missing things. We're all um, without certain elements of our lives that we truly enjoy. So I I don't think I'm special in any sense of the pandemic affecting me more than anyone else. I'm lucky to have my health, the health of my family. I'm still working. um, And I know it's affecting a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So that's just one thing that I'm missing for sure. Court Lalonde at Court Lalonde, he asks, what do you think of the new Strokes album? Well, Court, I'm not a huge Strokes fan. I have never really listened to them, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, But based on that question, you have piqued my interest, and maybe I'll check it out. He also asked, if the season resumes, can the Bruins get back that spark that they had? I think the Bruins are well-positioned to get back on track pretty quickly. It's something that Ty Anderson and I talked about on a podcast last week. The fact that, A, the Bruins have a lot of roster continuity from last year when they went to the Stanley Cup final, lost in Game 7. They came out of the gate this season very quickly, which tells me that they can come out of this break uh, rather quickly and successfully as well. We know that there are some new pieces on board in uh, Andres Bjork, Nick Ritchie, Andre Kasha. They weren't mainstays on the roster that went to the playoffs last year. They have been new additions since then, but the core is still there and the main pieces are still intact. And I think that familiarity will serve the team well. Um, A lot of teams will be kind of on a level playing ground just to have all that health back. Carlo and Krug were banged up prior to the break. Uh, Hopefully they're able to get back to game action rather quickly if and when games do resume. So I think the Bruins will have that spark. They'll have that motivation to make good on this season to avenge last season's loss. Um, So all that to say, I think they would be uh, well primed to pick up where they left off tom collins at dh underscore noof collins asks what would your reaction be if krug did sign with montreal as is being talked about what type of reaction would he get when he returned for a game in boston i mean montreal would pretty much be a worst case scenario for bruins fans for krug to jump to if he were in fact to leave i think he's most likely to sign with detroit if indeed he does leave but if he were to sign with montreal yeah it would be pretty difficult to see him in le bleu blanc et rouge but over the years i've really come to see that you know players they only have certain times when they're able to choose where they want to play Um, to maximize on their value as unrestricted free agents. 
So if the Canadians were to come to Krug with a deal that blows the competition out of the water, I would not hold it against him to take the best possible deal. It would be difficult to see him playing for the Canadians. I would be very sad to see him leave. But, you know, in a a time when players can be traded, players can be waived, bought out, whatever, they only have so much autonomy in their careers. And so when they have an opportunity to maximize their value, then I I don't begrudge them that, uh, even if it means they were to sign with a hated rival like the Canadians. The reaction, I think, what I would hope would be warm uh, if he does decide to sign elsewhere and when he comes back, although I'm sure there would be a smattering of boos if he were to appear at the Garden wearing uh, the CH on his chest. I personally... Not a huge boo guy at the moment. There have been times in the past where being a Toronto fan, I booed David Wells when he returned to Toronto after going to the Yankees. I booed Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady after they decided to leave the Raptors. Um, You know, I can't think of any Bruins that I've actively booed having chosen to leave. Uh, That really hasn't happened much in the recent past, as we know. We've been lucky to have a lot of guys stick around. Uh, But I'm sure there'd be some boos, but I I personally wouldn't be on that uh, bandwagon. Our good friend William Nickerson at Squill Bill. There's a number on there, I think, too, right? 95. He asks a couple questions. How would you spend your day with the cup? Great question. I was born in... North York, which is a not a suburb of Toronto. It's actually part of Toronto now. It was its own city back then. Now it's part of Toronto. But I only lived there for a couple of years. Then I moved to Brockville, Ontario, and spent most of my youth growing up in a suburb of Ottawa known as Nepean, which is where Steve Eisenman is from. Uh, Dan Boyle is from there as well. He brought the cup there when... Tampa Bay won in 2004 to a local karate place. So I think I would actually take it to Nepean. Now, ah, that's tough. Would I bring it to Guelph? I've lived in Guelph now for about a decade. I lived in Nepean for probably 15, 20 years. So that's a really tough question. I'm going to have to think about that, William. Maybe I'll get back to you next week. Would I bring it to Guelph? Would I take it home to Nepean, to my old high school, which is now closed, arena next door, which is known as Steve Eiserman Arena? Um, or would I just take it into Toronto, where I was born? That's a great question. I'm going to have to think about that. Maybe I'll answer that next weekend. Next weekend. Next week. Uh, William also asked, I'm starting to think the character development in Ozark is better than Breaking Bad. Agree or disagree? That is a very good question. For those of you who know me, you will know that my favorite show is Breaking Bad. I'm currently deep into Better Call Saul, all caught up. This week's episode was amazing. The last two episodes have been amazing, really. Um... In terms of character development, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between Ozark and Breaking Bad. You can kind of argue that both Marty and Wendy Bird have broken bad at various points, as has their children, various other characters around them. Um, 
I don't know if I'm quite ready to compare the two shows, but I would say that Ozark is a good replacement, not replacement, but a good substitute for Breaking Bad or a good kind of 2.0 version for uh, this time. If you haven't watched Ozark and if you are looking for something to do during this period of self-isolation, quarantine, it is on Netflix Three seasons, very much worth watching, very much worth investing the time. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are both on Netflix as well, and I can't recommend those shows highly enough. If I were to put my top five, nobody asked this, but in no particular order, my top five shows would probably be Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. These are more dramas than sitcoms. Um, Leftovers on HBO. Friday Night Lights, and Lost. Those would probably be my top five, just as an aside. Thank you so much for those questions this week. We'll be back next week with another mailbag segment. As always, you can reach me at LO underscore Boston Bruins and at Ian C. McLaren on Twitter.com. Let's finish now with some news and notes from around the NHL. Pierre Lebrun of TSN on Insider Trading the other night, he not the other night, last night, which would have been April 14th. He reported the NHL has yet to set a firm deadline to announce the resumption or cancellation of the 2019-20 season. If the schedule is to resume, the league will need at least two to three weeks for players returning from Europe to be quarantined, followed by two to three weeks of training camp, potentially some exhibition games, followed by some regular season contests before starting the playoffs. That seems pretty crazy to me, that timeline. One league governor suggested they should have an idea by late May, while another thought mid-June would be the earliest. Um, So to gather all those and have some regular season games uh, will be quite some time. I think right now the plan would be to... I saw the idea floated on Twitter this morning that games could be played in empty arenas and players, staff, coaches would have to be quarantined in hotels, kind of like jury duty. Um, so we'll see if that comes to pass. I think it's logical to say at this moment that if games do resume, they will be played in empty arenas. I don't think any of us will be going to the rink anytime soon to watch games and, uh, we'd have to have that time. So games will be played into July, August, possibly even September at this point to get some regular season games in, and the Stanley Cup playoffs, and what effect that would have on the 2020-21 season has yet to be determined, obviously, as well as free agency, the draft lottery, all those kinds of things. Uh, The NHL did extend the self-quarantine period for its players to April 30th, the third time the period has been extended, and that will probably remain in place until a determination is made on when uh, games can and will be played. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's one of the leading medical experts for the Trump administration's coronavirus task force, believes the best way to resume North American sports is monitoring players and keeping fans out of arenas for the foreseeable future. That's kind of what I mentioned earlier. Um, Players would have to be tested every week put teams in big hotels, wherever you want to play, keep them well surveyed and make sure they don't wind up infecting each other or their family 
just let them play the season out. That would pretty much be the only way things will get back um, or leagues will be able to get back to playing. Frank Saravelli of TSN released his list of the top pending players available in free agency whenever that happens. Tori Krug has been listed as the number three player on that list behind Alex Petrangelo of the St. Louis Blues and Taylor Hall of the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, Robin Leonard, Mike Hoffman, Evgeny Dadinov, Tyler Toffoli, Braden Holtby, and Tyson Berry uh, round out the top 10. Krug is the only significant Bruins unrestricted free agent, I guess, apart from Yaroslav Halak. Um, and again, that's going to be one of the big questions for this team as time goes on. To end with some good news, the Edmonton Oilers and Colby Caves family have set up a memorial fund to support mental health initiatives and provide programs for underprivileged children uh, accessing sports. The fund will be headed by Cave's wife, Emily. Cave, of course, passed away last week at age 25 following emergency surgery to remove a colloid cyst that was causing pressure on his brain. So good on the Oilers uh, for stepping up and assisting Emily and the Cave family in setting up that fund. And I know that a lot of people will benefit uh, from that in, uh, I'm assuming it'll be in Edmonton, maybe Saskatchewan as well. I'm not sure exactly what areas will be impacted positively by that fund, but uh, definitely the, the Edmonton area where uh, Colby had last played in the NHL. That's it for me for this edition of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ian McLaren. Thanks so much for joining me, for taking the time to listen, and I hope this has been a uh, positive maybe not distraction, but positive uh, bit of noise in the midst of this global pandemic that we're facing and, and this tough time. Again, uh, you can reach me at Ian C. McLaren at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can email LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com. And we'll be back on Friday to talk again about the 1970 Bruins and also just to, yeah, take a look at what's going on around uh, the world of hockey. I hope you are all taking care of yourselves and each other, and uh, we can and will get through this together. Know that you're not alone in whatever you are struggling with. Take care, friends, and we'll talk to you again in a couple days.